Good morning. We have been studying the book of Genesis, and over the last uh, three months, we have covered the first three chapters of Genesis where we have fundamental truths concerning this world that God has created, what he has created us for. And then over the last couple weeks, we have seen something of how that all collapsed through our sin and rebellion against God. As we have mentioned, we are going to step aside from Genesis, though you can still go to Genesis 1 uh, this morning. We're, we're not going to be looking at Genesis per se, but looking at that particular reality that we're told in chapter 1, that we are created in the image of God. We are God's image bearers, and that is an enormous truth about ourselves. The implications of this are significant. So we want to, to lean into this and consider what does it mean that we are people in God's image. We live in a, a time of competing opinions about life, and life often se seems like just a series of battlegrounds. The, the lines are drawn. People are entrenched. Words are harsh and bitter. Accusations abound. We're, we may not always be sure, how do I respond? How do I engage with the world? What should I think about myself? You may be left frustrated, angry, withdrawn, confused. God's word is not only truth in its purest form, God's word is timeless which means it doesn't matter what age we're in, what situations surround us, the word of God speaks with clarity, with authority, and with immense help to us right in our day. Many of life's greatest questions have answers that begin with this truth, we were created in the image of God. It is the starting place for many of these big issues that we debate. And so we want to make that connection. We, we want to understand clearly. So this week, we look at being created in the image of God as the foundation of our identity. Identity is a powerful concept. It's how we think about ourselves, who we think we are in this world. And yet, as, as important and as basic as our identity is, our, our culture is just all over the place in how we come to conclusions and in, in how we think about this. Perhaps you consider your identity is what your roles are in life. I'm a, a father, a husband, a pastor. It could be easy to think, 
okay, that, that's my identity. Or maybe we think of other truths about ourselves. I'm a, a white American male who is older than a number of you here. Is that my identity? Is our identity our desires, our choices, the activities that we pursue, what we want to be really good at? Is our identity our our circumstances, our limitations? Is your identity that in the past, unspeakable things were done to you? Or that there are limitations in your life that you feel every day? Is that who we are? Is our identity what others say about us? What the culture assigns to us? Or how we feel? Are any of those the appropriate way to think about who I am? Or does God give us something better, greater? These factors that that I've mentioned, they may bear some truth, but not one of them defines who we are. And we shouldn't want any of those things to define who we are. None of them are fully true, and many of them are distortions, maybe even outright lies. It's like going to the library back when people would go to a library. It's like going to the library, this this center of, human understanding wisdom. I'm going to go to the library to find out what life is, what is true, how do I process what's going on. However, when you get there, they only allow you in the fiction section. The only place you go is fiction. They don't even tell you. Just here, this is the room where you will find out the truth. Now, novels can be thought-provoking and entertaining, but fiction is a rather insufficient way to explain life, solve our problems, or find fulfillment. If you read Jane Austen, you think happiness is marrying a wealthy landowner. You got to find Mr. Darcy out there. If you start with The Lord of the Rings, your question, am I a hobbit, an elf? Am I married to an orc? If you read Vampire Diaries, uh, evil's okay if it's done with, with style and sex appeal. If you open Harry Potter, you think spells and incantations are how I'm going to get my way. And if you think all of this is rather trite and silly, identity, confusion in our world has become so profound that it is admittedly detached from any facts about you. And it has become 
a great fiction. And there are people in vast numbers who are on the foundation, they think, of a fiction to understand themselves. And that will never work. Our identity starts in the first chapter of the Bible. So that is where we will look. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Let's read. In the midst of the creation story, then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And just to make sure we get it, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Our Father, we ask that you would confirm your word, your work, your reality to us, that you would embed truth in our hearts that would bring rest, strength, wisdom to lead us, for we need you. We need you, our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few things we, we see about those verses, about our identity, who we are. And first of all, our identity starts with the reality that we are created beings. Verse 27, he, he tells us three times, God created man. He created him, male and female. He created them. That means our identity, who we are, is not something that we have to or even can find ourselves. Our identity is given by God. It is a fixed reality that comes from the person of God. And you do not have to, and indeed you do not even have the right as much as that may brush against how you think we come to conclusions, we do not have even the right to declare identity. We are created and made by God. He has given us who we are. And this is good news. Our identity is not the whim of abilities, of circumstances, of what others think about you or how you feel today. Our identity is fixed in the wondrous greatness and power and goodness of the living God. We understand ourselves by our creator's description of us. And so our identity is fixed to the boundless good person of the living God. 
Second, our identity includes that we were created with extraordinary worth and purpose. We see that in verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and then let them have dominion over all that he had created. By making us his image bearers, God shows us the incredible worth we have to him. Uh, Just don't let your mind move too quickly. Settle into what we must understand as, as a truth, as a fixed truth. If God made us in his image, then God sees us as having extraordinary worth. Your worth does not depend on a single person's definition of you or their opinion of you. It does not depend on your opinion of yourself. It rests in what God thinks of you. He who brought you into existence, who gave you an eternal soul so that you might know him. Our worth is beyond measure to God. He has made us for a relationship that is indescribable. And he calls us his beloved. We were bestowed with character that reflects God himself, moral beings made to live righteously, to act with goodness, love, care, that flowing from us might be the qualities that we see reflected in how does God engage with the world? We who are not little gods, yet we are beings made to have an impact. That is a reflection of how God engages with us. And we were given extraordinary responsibility, stewardship over the earth God made. He makes all the world very good and then places us as those who would have authority over it, to use it well, to live in the world in a way that shows here God is how I am interacting with this wonderful world that you have given. It is impossible to dream up an an identity of ourselves that is greater than that which God has given to us. You're not gonna come up with something better, something more noble, something more fruitful or wondrous. God has given you that which you cannot even imagine, but what is wholly true. Our identity is Founded in the reality, we are created beings. 
Second, that we're created with great worth, great purpose. However, as we've seen the last two weeks, third, our identity has been disfigured by sin when we rejected our creator. Rather than rejoicing in how God made us to be in relationship with him, humanity tried to reach and bring ourselves to be as God. We were given a fiction and we embraced it. We believed the lie. And so the, the identity of God's image cannot be lost, but it can be distorted. Think of a car windshield. You've been in an accident, and so the, the windshield is just fractured all throughout. It, it stays in place but it, it doesn't function as it was meant to. It's there, but how well can you see through it? All that you see is, is unclear and distorted, and that's what it's like for us. We still are created, every single one of us, with an eternal soul in the image of God, but that image has been disfigured. Because sin always lies. Sin always distorts. Sin always confuses. Sin so distorts and confuses us that it leads us to pursue what is against our own good. And we run chasing what we think is going to be great for us. And it never will be. Sin hates and despises us. Because it comes from the one who hates God. Sin boldly with a voice that sounds so confident, so sure. Sin boldly tells us, fictional descriptions about who we are and how to make life work. But a fiction can never fulfill its promises. A fiction can never fix what is broken. The result is grievous, it's tragic. That we would have the likeness of God and yet be miserable. That we would be image bearers, but separated from him. That we who were created by God are now under the judgment of God. All of those are, are the most grievous realities in this world of ourselves. This is what we must address. This is where we desperately need clarity that only God, our creator, can give. And so the, 
the last few minutes, I, I want us to look at Colossians chapter 3. Where the Apostle Paul brings our attention more deeply than we see in Genesis 1. Our attention, so what exactly does the image of God look like? What should it look like? What, what do we attach it to? How do we understand ourselves? We see this Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. We're going to look at it in sections. And in the first, we see that Christ restores the glory of our identity. Colossians chapter 3, 1 to 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Christ is the eternal son of God who became flesh, who became what he created. He became man. Not God suddenly appeared with the form. He looked like a man and sounded like man. He was born of a virgin, and the divine God connected, bound himself with the egg in the womb of Mary, and the one who was born was truly a man and also truly the eternal Son of God. Together, forever God, forever man, that is who Jesus is. So that he, by his power and his infinite righteousness would step in and he by his power would take sin and guilt that clings to us, that disfigures us, that we cannot get rid of, that chews up our life and Christ by the authority of his name, he took all of that guilt and sin, and by the shedding of his blood on the cross, he paid the price that the wrath of a just God requires. And Jesus, God and man, paid fully and forever the debt of our sin. And when we are free from the guilt of our sin, when we are free of the bondage of sin, uh, we still have sinful habits and patterns, but the bondage, the chains, they're, they're not real. The chains are not there. We are free in Christ. And so we're told, how, how do you find yourself? Did you notice what it says? Your life is hidden with Christ, meaning 
Where do you find who you are? We find it in the person of Christ. Jesus is how we find ourselves. How the disfigurement of our being image bears, we are made whole because he is. And he has given himself to us that we might have him. To find ourselves, we must humble ourselves before Christ to confess our sin and recognize that there is no one else who can lead us to what is whole and right is. It is Christ alone because only he can solve our sin problem. We, we cannot tweak our salvation. Well, yes, believe in Christ and then I have to do this or I'm going to make this of my life. It's holy on Christ, just him alone. That's our hope and our salvation, just Christ. We, we don't add to it. We don't come to our own understanding. We don't mix some kind of spirituality. We look at the person of Christ, and he alone is our hope. Christ restores the glory of our identity. And I didn't come up with the glory of our identity. He's the one when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. His promise, his promises is far greater than any other promise that's whispered in your ear. Secondly, we see in verses 5 to 10 of Colossians 3, Christ who then restores the true meaning of our identity, who makes us whole, then in him the beauty of what our identity is meant to be begins to be seen. We see verses 5 and 10. For those who are in Christ, this is what he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then he gives this list of things we all know about these Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in these things, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Notice how much there is about what we say. Notice how much about being Christian in the image of God is about the words you use, the tone you use, the attitude that pushes words out. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now that we are in Christ, he says, so don't live like what you were. Don't, don't pretend that you're still in this. You're not, Christ has delivered you. Leave it, because what you have is the new self. You have Christ. 
his righteousness, his example. Follow the one who is true and good. We're surrounded by examples of how people think we should live. And all of those examples, they say, oh, this is the way to go. Every single one of them makes us more beastly than human. Do you want to be fully human? Then live in the image that you were created for. What is humanness? Humanness, in its most basic sense, is to be made in the image of God. That is the difference between us and the animals and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. We alone, created in the image of God to be human, is to embrace the reality of the image of God in us. Jesus shows us what it is to be truly human because he was the perfect image of God. He is the one who shows us what the heart of God is like. He shows us what love is really like. What is grace really like? What does care for one another look like? How should we live? How how do we engage with this ugly, hurting world? Jesus puts it all on display. And we have this grace of the word of God. God knowing how much we need the realities of Jesus doesn't just give us Matthew. Let's read that again. He gives us Mark. Maybe they're a little stubborn. I'll give them Luke. No, they're not a little stubborn. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, do you get it? When we were maybe preaching Mark, it was years ago, preaching through one of the Gospels, and someone came up, they wanted us to preach on Revelation. That was more important. And say, so, you know, the, the Gospels, it's, you know, repeated. We need to look at the more important thing. The Bible repeats what's the most important thing. How do we know what's most important in the Bible? All of it has value. What, what is the most foundational of all? That which God gives us four times. It's God saying, Jesus, 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 look at him. Don't, don't be distracted. Let your life be consumed with the person of Jesus Christ, my son, whom I did not withhold, the one I've given to you. Look to him. And in verse 11 of Colossians 3, we, we see the confirmation our identity is not found in our race, in our gender, in our circumstances. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ, but Christ is all 
and in awe. All of those other things, they, they may be realities in your life, but it's not who you are. That's based on Christ, who becomes the sum of all things bound in him. God has given you a far greater identity than any you could find or want, or that someone holds up and says, oh, here's the way. God gives you something far greater. Do you want a healthy sense of yourself? Follow Christ. Do you want to know the truth of yourself? Learn the truth of Jesus. Are you confused by all the opinions? Trust Jesus. He knows who you are. Have you gotten into a mess? You can't find your way out? Follow Jesus. He can get you out. Do you want a life well used? Then live for Jesus. He has the best plans for you. Plans that are truly wonderful. Plans that involve you being enriched by knowing God and knowing his love for you and knowing that you're in communication and relationship with him. Life that truly engages, even if the world not impressed with it, life engaged with people hurting, burdened, those without hope, and you have truth and care and grace for them. A life that looks like the life of Jesus. Lies and half-truths are no way to find yourself. Jesus is. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would confirm yourself for it's the truths of you, not the truths of the mind of any preacher or of any church. It is only when the church is clearly declaring what you have said. So confirm your word to each one. Attach meaning to it. Holy Spirit, guide us to live for you, for our hearts to be full. Oh, Father, help us not to misvalue life and to set aside what is wasting life. Oh, may each of our hearts be filled to overflowing with the person of Christ, what it means to live for you. In his name we pray, amen.